Welcome back to Doom Force Radio WDFR 98.7, your favorite time traveling radio. One small leap for the Doom Patrol, one giant step for a terrible Titan. But honey, nothing you can say can stop me going home here on Doom Force Radio. What's changing? Oh, the times they are changing. All oh, the times they are changing. Bob Dylan. Yeah, I've seen the movie. The Bob Dylan movie? Yeah, the Bob Dylan movie. The Bob Dylan movie. Have they made a movie about Bob Dylan? Don't know. Don't know that much about him. Don't really care about them, honestly. Uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Welcome back to Doom Patrol Radio, your favorite podcast, this side of the painting. My name is Mark. And my name is Nathan. And today we're talking about episode 10, the season finale of season three, Doom Patrol, titled Amends Patrol. And (laughs) this episode really flew by for me. But Nate, what did you think about today's episode? This was one of the best episodes ever. Are you I'm saying that I say it about every single one, but no, (laughs) I wasn't expecting that from you, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed this episode so much, so, so, so much. It really was. It made me feel, um, just very, I I don't want to say mainstream doom patrol, but it did more, more palatable to the layman doom patrol. Yeah, yeah, That's by good. the end of it, yeah. Listen, I love all the weirdness and stuff. That's what I'm in it for. But if someone was like, what's Doom Patrol? You'd be like, okay, here's the ragtag group of superheroes doing their shtick. They got some wacky stuff on it, you know, mm-hmm. i.e. giant robot. And people would be like, oh, wow, that was cool. Then you'd be like, okay, cool. Now it gets into, like, actual mental health issues. And then they're like, nope, you know. Yeah, like, right, I, I Get off the train, it. kid. Yeah, I have seen... Some people, like like you said, I hate to use the word layman, but the general audience, people coming into Doom Patrol, they haven't seen or know anything about Doom Patrol, so they're coming into it. So a lot of people are going to get, um, you know, that either you fall in love with the, the side of the Grant Morrison Doom Patrol that is like, we're going to be super wild and at the same time exploring really deep into these characters. And then you have some people who are expecting more of like the CW palette of superheroes and superhero tv shows so yeah i understand what you're saying and 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 we've gone three seasons of of this deeper thought doom patrol and really getting to understand these characters go for it i was gonna say this a better way to surmise this episode in my opinion was would be air quote classic doom patrol yeah and it had that feel and I know in my definition of a classic Doom Patrol would probably be a Grant Morrison issue um, because that's the that's what I gravitated towards and, and the most Doom Patrol that I got. That was what I fell in love with. But this is more so of the Silver Age team, but mm-hmm. with a modern spin on it. Um, 
And it was, that, that's what makes it great, in my opinion. That's what makes it really, really great, in my opinion. It just felt like classic Doom Patrol meets modern issues and the culmination of the three seasons of getting to know these characters and how they work as a team and what that team wants to be. Mm-hmm. Here's the first step in the right direction. Yeah, the first step. I think that's that's a great way to put it. Like we're seeing these characters for three seasons. It's like we're not going to just go ahead and give you the Arnold Drake first iteration of the Doom Patrol, like execute plan three, you know, go out there and right. fight Brain, Monster Mala, and the Brotherhood of Evil, all these type of things. Like we're not just going to go into that by the by the end of the first season. We're going to wrestle with what these characters are going through and then they're going to make this arc into leading them into that Silver Age, a Strange Adventures version of Doom mm-hmm. Patrol, which is what a lot of people have been waiting to see. Um, I'm cool with like the Therapy Patrol episodes. I think those are great. But then yeah. it's it's great to reward the audience and people who have been sticking with this Doom Patrol to see like literal fruition of, of, of seasons of character development. So now you're starting to see these characters like Negative Man and uh, Rita Farr and even Cliff Steele, you're starting to see these three main big Doom Patrol characters like turning into that version that you know. And yeah, that's that's what this episode is all about. It's, it's really just a, a reward for, for taking that one step closer to being the titular Doom Patrol that that the that the show is named for. So yeah, that is and and it started with it started off really well. Like it started off really strong. Like just the cinematography and everything that's going on uh, from the end of last week's episode, Evil Patrol, where the bus had crashed and we start there at at a really dark place for the Doom Patrol, where they've completely fallen on their face, literally. And then where we get to now, it's almost like a reward for that and being like, hey, we've been in dark places, but now with the next season, we might see like the classic Doom Patrol. Uh, and, I, and I leave that as a question mark because uh, there's something that happens at the end that it just feels like it's set up uh, to be doomed from the start. No pun intended. But yeah, let's, uh, let's give credit where credit is due real quick. So to, directing today's episode is Harry Zhirjan, who also is a well-known editor for the CW and all of its list of shows. He edited many of the CW shows, including Supergirl, and did the pilot for Superman and Lois, a bunch of Flash episodes, a whole bunch of CW episodes, and even directed a few of them as well for these superhero shows. Um, most notably for Doom Patrol, though, Harry also directed Time Patrol, which is a hilarious episode. It's one of the uh, best ways to start off a season for season two and then Jane Patrol this was the first time we went to the underground in season one and met Driver 8 and all those things that happened uh, inside the underground so that was a really cool episode as well so here he is directing a season finale and uh, yeah then we have um, Chris Dingus is our writer for today's episode as well and I just learned this but I'm sure you know this already Nate but uh, Chris Dingus uh, wrote a comic book series, a graphic novel called Manifest Destiny, and I was reading into this earlier. Uh, do you know anything about this comic book? Because I feel like it's right up your alley. Yeah, it came out when I was working at the shop. Um, caught some flack for it. I uh, did not order. 
I did not order enough copies. I, I, I... Nate, you're not on record. You don't have to apologize. No, it's okay. It's, it's, so listen, this is where it gets, this is where it gets muddy for Nathan. (laughs) I was in the business of seeing a book and saying, oh, I want that. I was also in the business of seeing all the uproar for new issues and number ones after the fact and realizing, oh, I want that. So there is a very good chance, very good chance that I have a first print of the of the number one Manifest Destiny sitting in a long box that I slipped into my name and was like, yep, you're coming with me. I got so many complaints that I didn't order enough of this book. And I feel like it was one of those things where I ordered maybe three. And where my mind kind of diverts you is ordered because... You ordered three. You ordered three. I, yeah. So there was a weird thing. There's a weird <laughs> thing in comic book distribution where, like, oftentimes if a new book is coming out, you have to order a certain amount of a previous book that has nothing to do with it. It's just... Uh, just uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1's coming out, but in order to get 50 copies of that, I had to order 150 copies of Thor number 27 that came out the month prior. I don't know where those rules came from. That's just what I had to follow from the distribution thing in in the shop. So I want to say that Manifest Destiny was one of those things where I didn't order enough of another image comic for me to actually get at least 20 of the new number ones. That's the thing. If I had 20 of those number ones, I could have given them to the people that wanted the number one and requested it. I don't remember people telling me I want the number one of Manifest Destiny. I think they just assumed that I would have enough because of it being a number one. And I distinctively remember someone coming in and being like, do you have this? And I was just like, I think like go check image. It's on the on the wall. Like me being like a shit. <laughs> like get at dude. Like what do you what, what do you want from me, dude? It was anyway. And then after he came in, a bunch of other people started coming in and asking for the same thing. And that's when it clicked on me. And I was like, oh snap! Like this is a thing. I didn't know. I was just kind of going through the motions of ordering. Anyway, it's possible that it being a number one. <laughs> Me being the person that I am, I may have slipped that number one just because it's a number one into my name and into my box. I've been like, yep, all right, that's mine. Let's let's go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a very popular book in 2013, I'll tell you that much. 2013 um, was a great year for Image. I mean, everything was that... I loved the time that I was working at that comic book store. There yeah. were so many new books coming out, and so it was a good time because it was... Anyway, it was a great time. Yeah, yeah. Image was kicking ass. In Image was really kicking ass. It was it was a time where Marvel and DC was getting their their merchandise, their their money. They were making their financial returns on everything else besides comic books, that, you know, video games, the movies, the TV shows, especially DC with all their TV shows and Marvel with all their movies. Like and Image at the time, I remember like if I was going to the comic shop comic shop to to buy books, I was buying East of West and uh, Manhattan projects and all those other ones, um, and reading, uh, yeah, just, just all those, those other stories. And, but I had never heard of manifest destiny. At least I didn't pick it up. And then, you know, I'm reading this here and, and, and this, 
kind of like high fantasy adventure of, of Lewis and Clark out there exploring the American frontier. I was like, that sounds like something Nate, that sounds like Nate on a Saturday night, just talking about like, what do you think those dudes ran into when they were exploring the wild West? It just sounds like something you would, you would yap about. So, uh, yeah, I, even if, if you didn't know it was going to be popular, I feel like that's a book you would have read anyways. And, I uh, had to have. I, it's one of the things, I mean, any new book that came in, I usually just like sat behind the desk after putting them up and just kind of flipped through them so I could like keep up with what people were, yeah, normal salesperson yeah. shtick, you know? Um, man, I really need to, I need to look in this box. I want to know if I have I it. I feel like this would make a great TV show. I mean, not to get too distracted from Doom Patrol, but this whole Manifest Destiny, I almost Googled it. Think, like, I tried Googling it, like, Manifest Destiny TV show, because I was like, this sounds like something Christina should pitch and be like, hey, you should make this into a TV show, because now's the time to, like, get weird with that. You know, have almost like H.P. Um, Lovecraft, but for like Lewis and Clark kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that sounds pretty cool. But yeah, Chris Dingus wrote this episode. Um, obviously he's no stranger to the show. He's written many episodes, many episodes for doom patrol. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you could see it's, it's a, it's a writer who's, who's known these characters for a while and really got to wrestle around with some of the characters issues as we get to the end of the finale for today. Um, but yeah, Nate, I wanted to ask you, what uh, what stood out to you most in today's episode? What stood out to me the most? Hmm. Good question. Very good question. Um, I think the, 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 the whole overarching fact of it being a finale was very outstanding to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's the first proper finale that we've had out of the two seasons prior. And I say that just because obviously things happened and things out of production's control, yada, yada. Um, But it was a true, this is the end, you know, close the book, start new season. Um, So I think that was the biggest thing. The other one that was really, that I was keeping my eye on was just, um, how the characters changed over the entire season, mainly Rita and Cyborg. I pointed it out to you while we were watching it. Their two character arcs in this final episode were the exact opposite of what was happening in last season. So I thought that was really cool. Um, just the absolute growth out of everybody. All the characters felt so comfortable within themselves and, and as, you know, who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think that was really just like the biggest like yes moment for me. It was it, in my mind they were all winning. You know that was a that was a happy ending. There was no real too much turmoil. Um, everything kind of seemed uh, uh, to a particular extent resolved. You know, mm-hmm. everybody made amends. Everyone well, made amends, right? That's a, yeah. That's the title for today's episode. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it was a real, real juxtaposition from last season. I mean, you had you had Rita and, and Victor who were trying to boast themselves as heroes, and you know, Victor coming off of the relationship with Ronnie Evers, and then Rita Farr trying to convince herself that she is a hero or that she can do it just by brute force. And sure, the candle maker turns things upside down for them and then this in this episode 
they're already upside down. They're like, again, literally upside down, like as they're waking up in this destroyed school bus. And it's all just a huge metaphor. It's a huge metaphor. Like the bus is destroyed. The, the Doom Patrol is, is just scattered about. The, the underground is collapsed. Like all these things are a metaphor for, for breaking uh, this, this funk that they've been in. And then by the end of the episode, it's like we, we have a fresh start. And we almost have a, a bit of a, a complete restart uh, by the end of season season three with, with this idea that they're now going to be uh, Doom Patrol fighting, you know, <laughs> just like monsters and, and villains and stuff like that. And then even... Scrotal monsters. Yes, yeah, scrotal monsters. I thought it was a giant werebutt again. I thought like one of those butts from the ant farm got like out there and mutated in the water and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, bit of whale. Yeah. You know, where, where, butt whale, where, but where, where, whale, butt. yeah. Once you tweet at Jeremy Carver, your idea, I'm sure you'll enjoy that one. <laughs> do whales have butts? I'm uh, sure. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure all animals do. They haven't, <laughs> they haven't entrance and exit. Just well, the, the, okay. I didn't say anus. I said, but I'm talking about dump trucks. You're talking huh? about cheeks on a, on a whale. I want to know if Moby Dick was dragging a motherfucking wagon. <laughs> we're going to have to... Uh, gonna have to then, no, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find <laughs> we'll have, out. We'll have to ask there's Ahab, a joke. I mean. Yeah, there's a joke there somewhere. Uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's... Uh, it's, a, it's a big metaphor in today's episode. I'm sure a lot of it is is, you know... And I think with every season finale and even season premiere, whenever I'm watching TV shows and I'm watching the first episode and the last episode, a lot of it usually does kind of hit me really fast. And I kind of get whiplash of like, oh, things are moving too fast. I don't know what's going on. Um, But then the more I start to think about what the episode represents, especially for the ending where we're like, oh, you know, we're going to try and be the superhero team that we want to be. Um, Things like the bus crash at the beginning and even the death quote unquote of the brain by Rita Farr. It's all that dismantling of everything that is, has instigated their past, you know, the past three seasons. And as we move forward into being this new doom patrol, it's like, we need to destroy the bus. We need to destroy the, the evil that's around us. We need to destroy these landmarks. And by killing those things off, we are reborn into something else as a new foundation of the Doom Patrol. It's the same thing that happened in the beginning of season three, where they the the story kills off Niles Calder. Niles Calder dies, and they have a chance to start again. And here's the same thing where the bus is destroyed and represents the old Doom Patrol, like the black colored school bus. We get rid of that, and then we get rid of Cliff's body. We get rid of uh, the brain and monster mala quits being uh, a part of the brotherhood of evil all these things come to an end and then you even have madame rouge who just completely goes through the time machine again and has a memory wipe so it's um it's it's great it's great to see that they're um destroying the past if you will to get to here so yeah i i also noticed rita far her outfit in today's episode is that yellow color and it reminded me a lot of the beekeeper thing that she tried to do in season two and i i kind of thought that that maybe the color was um 
intentional. Like they were choosing for her to wear that color to be like, now you are heroics, the superhero that you want yeah. to be. And um, she has a phenomenal arc this entire season. But in today's episode, it's really of her trying to to really get her revenge with Madame Rouge, and it's really driving her off the deep end. Um, and 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 the brain points that out in today's episode. Uh, and I think it's really important what Rita Farr does in today's episode and where she ends up uh, on the other side of it. But I got to say, I think it's it's in the right direction for Rita Farr to want to be a superhero, but to also not be afraid of how she goes about it. Because, um, spoiler alert, she does kill the brain in today's episode. But I think think that's okay what do you think this is like a luke skywalker using force choke kind of thing sometimes you got to dip a little bit into the dark side powers if you played kotor you know what i mean um <laughs> gotta get those dark side points honestly if you're if you're going up against malik and you don't have force drain you're gonna you're out of here um so yeah rita is uh tiptoeing on the on the evil side but um, it's more so of I, the way that I figured figured was more of a just a more of more of a well balanced um, hero, even a leader. Um, you know, Niles gave her the keys, literal to to the Doom Patrol. Um, you're in charge. You you do your thing. Niles had faith in her, and it obviously uh, was correct, which is neat. Um, but seeing her like actually think about the dark side of it all and go down that path of revenge it was just more of a complete arc and a complete story like rita in my mind as a hero is a complete hero a, a complete good person that's mm-hmm. that's the that's what i want to say um she had the 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 questioning thought of you know kill madame rouge or, or not kill madame rouge i don't even think that the brain is dead um uh, hey maybe he survived worse boiling water uh right on your brain i don't know um, I'm pretty sure hey, that kills someone, but I, I mean, but it's it's it, I am too. But it's the brain and Mark. Let me tell you, I've had a couple Slurpees in my day, so the opposite. You know, I'm still kicking. <laughs> Look at me, I turned out fine. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, I don't know. It, it's one of those things where it's like in any other story, I'd be like, oh, that kills a person. But it, yeah. when it comes to Doom Patrol, I'm just like. Yeah, he could come back. He could, he could come back, and I would be like, <laughs> Yeah, he could come back. I guess he's back. I don't know. It's, yeah. It doesn't bother me. I mean, he has a talking gorilla as a sidekick, so I don't know. Yeah. It's like anything can happen at this point. We have a guy who's half celery, one third part celery out there. So, you know, yeah. any, anything can happen. Um, so it's it's one of just my like my thoughts as a whole about Rita in this is that she is all good now. Um, she uh, went. Through, I don't know. I don't know if it's all good. But she I, went I th- through <laughs> all of this stuff. She made the choice to do the good thing, which is uh, spare Madame Rouge. Um, 
I, I, I mean, all, all signs point north in my mind. Um, yeah, I agree uh, with that. I mean, not, not all good in the sense of altruistic. <clears throat> Kal-El, yeah. We'll see that. And that's the thing, right? Like, you don't kill your supervillains, right? And then yeah. you're like, well, you know, it's, it's. I don't know. It that's that's the debate among the audiences nowadays, where it's like, oh, you know, I'm sure there'll be some backlash where people will be like, oh, you can't kill off the brain because that's not. Super, Rita Far shouldn't do that. That's that's still kind of evil. Yeah, but, but then you're again. like, yeah, but she's killing evil, like, f- physic, like literally killing evil. And an killing argument. the evil within her. So there's something there where it's like superheroes don't kill. And it's like, yeah, but this is Doom Patrol. And she's doing the right thing. And they're not the Justice League. It's like, so what are you like, supposed to do? Like, not kill the Emperor Palpatine? Like, are you supposed <laughs> to not do that? They kill him like three times. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, they're trying to be what their version or what Rita's version uh, and with Vic's help, I guess um, what their version of a superhero team is. It's not the justice league. So I don't know if, you know, in their, in, in Rita's mind, at least killing the brain. I don't, it's not, I don't know. I don't see it as a bad guy. thing. <laughs> she's a, she, she's a, She's a realized hero in her own self. Um, now the challenge is lead a team. I mean, like, yeah, because what is what, like what? I, I, what is the alternative that she lets brain go and she like disperses and she's like, all right, well, I guess you know, I'm I'm not evil, and then leaves and then leaves the brain there with his the skin schematics to to rebuild the body or you know you what do you do turn the villain into to into the law enforcement and let law handle it but then that goes against kind of the things that the doom patrol are i mean you've got the ant farm and the bureau of normalcy and things like that and you have these misfits where they know the other side of law enforcement so it's like what do you you're supposed to just hand over this super intelligent villain over off to to go to prison and stand trial and all these type of things i think this whole killing off the brain is really the only logical choice for a a doom patrol superhero so it just it i think it's it's one of those things that just like yeah it's you have to not that you have to but it's i don't think you should get much backlash for it. Um, Maybe put him back with Jason and the other uh, members of the old Doom Patrol and have them reminisce. <laughs> yeah, go bring back. Uh, and I think that's what they wanted too. Like Niles Calder and Mento and all of them, they were all like, yeah, we wanted to get the brain, but he got away every time. And this time here, Rita Farr is like, no, I'm just going to end it. Like this is, you. we know your past. We know your legacy as, as the brain now. And now it's over. Now like we have to end it we've we've you've had your good times um i'm just wondering if we've seen the last of uh monsieur mala and i hope not oh god i hope not having him smoking a cigarette in this was one of my all-time favorite sights honestly thank yeah. you so much for giving me mala smoking a cigarette yeah that was amazing and i'm sure the death of the brain might even you know 
is is enough to coerce Monster Mala out of uh, retirement or anything. Or maybe you know, in a joking way, in the next season, we might see Monster Mala like in retirement on his own and uh, having that that scene from The Dark Knight Rises where he's you know doing the little nod and raising the uh, cup of tea over at Alfred and uh, that's that's how we end it with Monster Mala. So I, I I could see us having that kind of moment, but yeah, it's what a I had a really good moment with Monster Mala in the beginning. Um, Madame Rouge does what we were talking about in uh, last week's episode, where it's like you kind of see the other side of the character, and you kind of see that this character isn't as evil as you think, and neither is Rita Far. But it's also nice to show the villain have that kind of come around as well. Um, not to us. I mean, we kind of called it, but like with with the character in the episode, just showing that the character does want to be a better person, um, and and really trying to fight for that and trying and trying to to right the ship, if you will. So um, really good uh, turnaround for Madame Rouge. But yeah, Nate, uh, anything else that that caught your attention right off the gate for today's episode? Um, there's so much, honestly, we're probably just going to get into it as we talk about the characters. Yeah. Just pick any moment. Yeah. We have a negative man with a key here has become (laughs) kind of our Rebus figure that we've been talking about so much. He even does, he has kind of like a grand superhero entrance towards the end. Like when we talk about the finale here, um, and all these characters really starting to get their, their, um, their spotlight, their progression is showing. Uh, you know, he he merges with with this key, this this alien entity, and becomes kind of like the quintessential negative man that we're used to seeing in the Grant Morrison books and in the um, Gerard Way books and even in the Arnold Drake books. Uh, you're really starting to see this negative man that people expect but of course as soon as it starts it quickly like falls flat on its face and it's like okay we still got a little bit more to go but we've taken our first flight here together so it's really cool to start to see that progression we kind of saw it in the beginning of season three and now we're seeing it here at the end and and being like hey we're taking those steps further but yeah nate that's what i was asking you about like how did you think of the of the negative man stuff that was happening in today's episode excellent um all of it excellent it really is so much it's such a joy that <laughs> is like first of all that's the best negative man costume ever i'm gonna have that as that's that's the cosplay that i'm gonna do is the is the hawaiian shirt and the coat that's primo yeah all right um it's excellent to see that much growth in the character being able to make the choice because we were listening to the afterword of the episode and and Matt Bomber explaining that, you know, everything was chosen for Larry and, and the fact now you get to make the choice to to take care of this, you know, alien worm and all that comes with it, that is your choice and yours alone. You and I have had countless discussions about superheroes and the idea of choice. It just seems like it's just such a staple thing for a good. You know what I mean? Um, a thing, a person, a, a, a body that wants to be good and do good. It's that simple essence of choice. And what that person is going to choose uh, pretty much makes it all. 
and the whole you know ride about that is just seeing the growth of that at first seeing the denial and then obviously coming around to accept it and then choose to do the right thing pun intended no you're Um, right but yeah it's it, it really is excellent seeing larry at like that last moment of the negative spirit and larry flying out of the house fully realized uh i.e. Rebus, kind of, you know, look really great. I'm not saying that it's Rebus or anything. No, it's still Larry Trainer, Captain yeah, Larry Trainer, negative, negative man. man. Um, but just that image of a realized negative man was so rewarding to me. Um, again, it's I'm ecstatic to actually see anything Doom Patrol in live action, <laughs> and negative man especially, one of my favorites. Um it was all just so perfect. It really was. Uh, I'm curious to see where it's going to go for the character. Um, what that growth is going to be like. What the powers are going to be like now. Um, there didn't seem to be like any sort of negative spirit separation. Or at least, you know, maybe not yet. Maybe that's like a, you know, kick it into fifth gear or something like that for, for the big bad stuff. But uh Really excellent stuff, honestly. I'm so happy that we've come so far with the negative man. Yeah. It was really cool seeing this character, like like you said, Nate, that this 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 power to choose and and fully realizing that character. That's something that's gonna be really cool to see because then you you know like the power scaling of all these characters. Like the negative man ability is probably one of the most powerful things that the doom patrol has but it's always been this thing that's been locked away just because like this idea of how radiated larry trainer is it's like yeah you really are the nuclear option when it comes to the arsenal of the doom patrol but it's this turmoil inside the character for not only this these three seasons but in the comic books all the time it's always such a struggle to get this man to use that ability because it's so taxing on him and it's a mental strain a mental battle between the negative spirit and who larry trainer wants to be um the only time it's ever been like a no-brainer is when grant morrison wrote rebus and then he wrote this character as rebus to be like oh no i know exactly what I am or what we are because we are this conjoined body. And so for once it was like, yeah, that, that character is broken because that character has no doubt in itself and its abilities. And if it just needs to do it, then it will do it. And it, I don't think we'll ever, the only time we are ever going to see that is with Valentina Vostok because that character was that representation of like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm perfect. I have everything under control now. Larry Chainer, we might just be like, yeah, they can work in tandem. They'll still struggle, but they'll get there. Um, and so it was really great seeing that character. Yeah, absolutely. As 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 this show goes on, seeing Larry Chainer do those type of things is going to be a lot of fun to see. Um, and and yeah, like as we look forward to all these characters, I mean, one of the bigger questions um, is is well, Victor Stone is one of them, Cyborg. Uh, what's going to happen with that character is going to be uh, another conversation we're going to have because I don't know if we're ever going to see Cyborg again um, in, in in like the biomechatronic form. 
but I was leaning more towards Crazy Jane. And Crazy Jane, you and I have been talking about this character for a while. And I know that there's, in the comic books, there's an end to Crazy Jane with the Grant Morrison run. We've been talking about it for a while. We've been alluding to it for a while. It seemed like the show was on that track. But now it's 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 it, it might not get there just yet or at all, maybe. Uh, because Crazy Jane has made a deal with Dr. Harrison that Dr. Harrison will now be the primary in order to help assist with um, basically resuscitating Kay Chalice from the underground. And now that we look forward to a Dr. Harrison as the primary, what is that going to look like? Is that going to be a short-lived scenario or is that going to be uh, something that carries on throughout season four? And it's going to be interesting seeing, you know, one Diane play the Dr. Har- Dr. Harrison character more often. Um, but it's also going to be interesting seeing how Dr. Harrison, uh, you know, fits in with the rest of the Doom Patrol. If the Doom Patrol are trying to be, let's, let's be the Doom Patrol. And then you got Dr. Harrison in the mix. Well, then now we're looking at a, a Crazy Jane that, that's more like the Gerard Way Crazy Jane, where Dr. Harrison was the one kind of as the primary so now we're getting more into that as well and gerard way did a really great job of kind of rebooting doom patrol as well to not only incorporate the grant morrison stuff but also to kind of make that dc rebirth of grant morrison and the arnold drake stuff and strange tales yeah yeah. exactly um so that's going to be interesting trying to see like a dr harrison primary um, but really one of the, one of the big things that I, I'm trying to think about is now that season three is kind of concluded and shown us that there's this promising doom patrol to look into season four and they've got this time machine and obviously it erases their mind. So you have them with like the name tags over their head and being like, this is who you are. This is, we're going to write down everything that we proclaim that we are. So when we get to the other side of this, which first of all, they're using a time machine to jump three minutes into the future just to get from point A to point B. Like instead of using teleporters or anything like that, they're like, Oh, we'll just use the time machine to jump. Awesome. (laughs) To jump, to just fast travel, to fast travel. But it's like, yeah, at what cost, my guy? At what cost are you doing this? I mean, like it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be a, a real joke if they keep using this often. Like I'm hoping, like if anything, they're just like, all right, time to get in the time machine again and just go through the amnesia over and over again every time they want to travel and having to remind themselves who they are. Um, the fact that that's just like a a. Uh, side effect of time travel like i said a few episodes ago when you add time travel it's a lot of times just just a boring like eh, kind of gave up let's do it let's etch a sketch it whatever but like adding just that simple fact of just being like yeah no you lose memory like you come out of that time machine a changed person uh that's really cool because that just like that's that's at the cost, you know? Yeah. When when you put t- time travel into things, it's like, yeah, what is the cost? Freaking, th- there is none. You can do whatever you want. Check it out. We took all those rocks. We put them back where exactly where we found them. Nothing happened, right? Spent 10 years. Nothing happened. And it's like, cool, great, awesome. But then it's like, no, you use that thing and amnesia, dude. You're like, oh, well, 
kind of just restarted the entire storyline, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. So just restart the character. That's that's so clever. Part of me thinks like I mean they they're going to go fight this <laughs> nutsack scrotal uh Cthulhu looking creature out in the water and and have this real doom patrol moment. Uh we all hope. But um I just feel like, you know, season four is going to start. They're all going to have, like, the name tags switched over. They're all going to, you know, people are going to be like, oh, no, you're the negative man. You're supposed to have this negative spirit or something, and it's going to be like Victor Stone with this name tag. Um, And then even, you know, you have Jane who's knocked unconscious. She has the name tag on her forehead that says Jane, but it's Dr. Harrison. So when they come around and they'll be like, okay, well, are you Jane? It's like, no, I'm Dr. Harrison. And then they're like, well, are you Jane? It's like... You know, is the brain in the robot body named Jane? Like, you know, Jane the brain, right? That has to be you. And it's like, no, I'm not fucking Jane. And it's like all these kind of things. Like, they're just name tags. They didn't do anything else. The only one who might know who they are is Rita because Rita's in the time, the Shipley by herself. So, and and is she going to be able to recall her memories as well or not? Because she seems to forget it. And then seems to remember when it comes back somehow. So it's just there's got to be something like, you know, how Madame Rouge kind of like got jostled with the, I don't know, emotional distress or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then are they even going to still have a grudge with each other? Madame Rouge and Rita Farr, if if they both continue to forget their their past. So um, it's going to be. I think this time machine is is a great thing to keep around. I think it's really going to make things fun for them to play around with these characters and this Doom Patrol that we're trying to create. And even them at the end being like, oh, we're going to be Doom Force. And this joke that they they do with that, I feel like by the time they come around the other side, they're going to be like, I I think we were called the Doom Patrol. And it's just going to be like a joke within itself where it just kind of relapses somehow back into becoming uh, Doom Patrol. But um, some of the other characters that we we don't really know what's happened to them is the uh, Sisterhood of Dada. You know, we, we saw them in today's episode. We, we kind of... Um, Happily ever after. You think so? They're just like living in the fog. In the fog and... and yeah. You don't think... Yeah, I, I do. I think, I mean, the, the eternal flagellation worked. They did their, you know, duty. <laughs> You are right. I mean, yeah, the eternal flagellation worked, and going based off the Grant Morrison run, the painting that ate Paris. I mean, they those that went to go live in the painting after seem to have a great life outside of society. So you're not wrong. I just don't know if we're going to see them again. If that's a possibility, but if we don't, then I guess that's fine too. We still have season three to rewatch. I don't know. Maybe the fog will hang out with. Danny and the Danisons. I don't. I don't know. There Everybody's was. Welcome, there, right? yeah. That's actually pretty smart. You could bring that in. <laughs> you get the fog, and is as that's where that's where Danny and and the Danisons could live. You're absolutely right. That could be a thing. They could be protecting it. The Brotherhood did take over Danny at one point in Grant Morrison book. Right? Yeah. They they showed up in Danny. That's a good. Uh, that's honestly. Uh, now that I think about it, I wonder if they are cool with Danny. <laughs> it feels like they could be. 
That's actually really, I, I like that. Food for thought, huh? Yeah, it really is. It makes me think like, because, you know, the the line between hero and villain is is skewed in, in, in this whole season. And to think about Danny, the street, the Danny Zins, and who the Sisterhood of Dada are, more in line than we think. You know, and that's all we've done in 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 today's in in this season is is talk about like Gargoax and Cliff Steele and the Sisterhood of Dada and 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 Madame Rouge and all these things and then yeah, you know what you, you yeah absolutely onto something, um, yeah it's it's really really fun to think about something like that, um, I completely lost my train of thought, just because I'm sorry no you're fine I just was thinking just totally. That was a really good thought. You were, you were asking about characters that we kind of don't know the fate of and the sisterhood and they're in the fog. Oh, yeah. Um, that's what I was getting to. Uh, the fog uh, themselves. It's it's uh, There was a bit of a relationship that they started to kind of solidify between uh, the fog and Crazy Jane. And so that's the other thing I was thinking about. Like, maybe that character will return. Um, and that And that's something i wasn't expecting and i didn't know if that's something that crazy jane would want to see the fog more often or you know that's that's going into something like what happened with grant morrison and crazy jane where crazy jane went to go then live on on you know with danny and that was kind of the end of that character story it's almost kind of the same thing of being like okay well crazy jane's time is up it's time to go live in the in the mind of the fog where she you know encapsulate where they actually exist personalities yeah exactly jane was so upset last season about you know what happens if i cease to exist like why do i even have that thought like that is terrifying now i think there's a little bit more of a comforting thought that there isn't you know there there's a way out an afterlife (laughs) if you will life finds a way if you will you know um it would be you said afterlife. That's kind of it's neat. an afterlife. Like, yeah, that's something that we struggle with all the time. Like, where do we go when we die? And then, and yeah. then this story creates itself where it's like, well, you know, like, Kate Chalice can go be whole again as a person, and you know, this personality that is Crazy Jane when her time is up, she goes to the afterlife and goes to live in the fog, in the clouds, if you will, and like that's that's something that could happen. It could be the afterlife of, of crazy Jane. And that's the, that's the happily ever after for that character. And, you know, if it's a relationship, if we make that a, a, a solidified relationship with Shelly Byron, then that's even more icing on the cake, you know? And so that's, that would be a great way for the character to, um, to have some resolve. I think that'd be great. Uh, that they did a really cool job, with Shelly Byron showing up again. She also has this outfit um, in in the beginning of the episode, with, like this sport coat and like these leggings or like this kind of very like lacy like dress. Yeah, and it was like, damn, that was a cool looking outfit because you're like this fog character. And so like you have this outside... Uh, Ghostly attire. movement yeah. of you. Yeah. Really cool looking, huh? Yeah, and then the fog machines. I'm glad you caught that too when we were watching it. But you could see like actual practical oh, fog machines. I've done so much fog machine work; it's hard to miss. <laughs> I've managed it so is... many haunted houses in my day, bro. dude. It is. 
it is like painfully hard to miss when a fog machine is going off and where fog machine placement is it's a big thing it's nope so uh yeah excellent excellent fog work in this yeah. really <laughs> it's great i loved it yeah um kind of brings me around to what i want to talk about next is uh the center stage of this of this episode i think was cliff Steele. <laughs> the terrible titan himself oh man go for it um so what we witnessed this episode is essentially a culmination a, a, a mashup of a mix around a little a little a little doozy of uh what is it um no, uh, doom patrol number 86 mm-hmm. arnold drake so in this essentially morden aka mr nobody from our show builds a giant robot and the brotherhood of evil's like that's a cool robot you should come work with us morden working with the brotherhood of evil there's a connection right there so this giant robot is supposed to steal the statue of liberty and, you know, that doesn't, yada, yada. Big Rita stops it. Literally what we were happening, like what we were seeing. Um, the entire gang of the Brotherhood of Evil from that book is in this episode. Minus Morden, uh, Alan Tudyk's Mr. Nobody. But the, the members of the, of the Brotherhood of Evil at that time were Morden, uh, the Brain, Monsieur Mala, and... Madame Rouge. So, gang's all here. We're doing a classic Doom Patrol story of giant robot attacking the city, and the Doom Patrol comes and stops them. Like, it's it's classic. That's what I mean yeah. by classic Doom Patrol. Especially the end, with yes. how happy it was, with Rita looking out the window of it being like a fully realized team in her eyes. They are going to go do the superhero thing. They're going to go do what Niles wanted Rita to do. And it's just so joyous. Like, it is a happy ending in the sense that these Silver Age books ended in a happy ending. Um, I just thought it was so great. It really was. I, it's, it's a classic story. It was also really nice to see that, that visual representation with her stopping the robot as, like, this giant... You know, the giant Elasta girl that we that we're known to seeing in Arnold Drake and like fighting the robot and and really just like stopping the robot in its place. But like the imagery of the giant Rita Farr holding that robot is so classic. It's so like, there it is. That's that's the classic Doom Patrol moment. By the way, that looked all practical, didn't it? That was a dude in a robot suit and Rita and, and April like actually wrestling. A, a jet jaguar <laughs> and like yeah. little and and then little tiny like real cop cars coming in all that whole it set did. looked the cop it looked cars great the cop it? cars i noticed i was like those look like miniatures those were because yeah. i seen you know we, we watch a few of those movies but it, it like as soon as the cop cars rolled up i was like i think this <laughs> is that's an rc car <laughs> yeah like because then at the same time you notice that like I guess maybe because it's a baseball field or something, they used the elevated hill to be able to show mm-hmm. cars, like multiple police cars. Because if it was on the ground level, it would just look very flat. But mm-hmm. they do it in such a way that they can angle it. And then that's when it really looked like, especially the way the cop cars came up and they stopped, it was like, oh, 
this is miniatures. Like, this is little, like, this little is miniature cop cars. Awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, that whole story was also we did a we did a little bit of before Doom Patrol show came out. We would do episodes of our podcast that came out on Patreon, and we were talking about some Doom Patrol things. One of those episodes was the Trail of the Terrible Titan, which is that book issue number 86 but then they did the uh little animated short for dc nation mm-hmm. um you remember he got the morton got the robot he put the uh, speed boats on his feet and was going in the water do you remember that yeah there was a little cartoon it was, if you look up trail of the terrible titan it's like it's on the it's right there on the internet yeah it was also um where, where did they show those it was like in between the dc animated block right like cartoon network they had like 15 minute episode shows right for like teen yeah. titans and young justice and then they're like oh there's a super pets thing i think it's called like dc nation or something yeah yeah it was dc nation yeah and then they did like the little the little do patrol animated stuff in the middle um and then there was uh the batman brave and the bold episode about doom patrol where they kind of show the flashbacks and all the different uh escapades that the doom patrol have been on and i think it even ends with like the the gene bomb ending yeah they died at the end yeah. of that brave and bold stuff didn't they yeah yeah i uh anyway, rest in peace doom patrol that's something i i i don't know I've been oh no they died of... at the end of the dc nation shorts not the brave and the bold stuff i kind of got a feeling of that too i don't um, know the the gene bomb feeling when when the robot was in the self-destruct mode and mm-hmm. they were kind of thinking like oh like this might be the end for us i was thinking about it like it feels very Gene Bomb, kind of like setting up for something like that, and being like, "Okay, well, this is, you know, if if the Doom Patrol go out this way, it just feels like, yeah, they could die. This could be it's a giant bomb. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a Gene Bomb. There's a time travel device that so you can literally do anything. You want to kill Doom Patrol now, and then have to go back in time and try and fix things. They could totally do something like that. I would not be surprised." And that's still on the table. It's just, that's the strange adventures for you. So, um, yeah, just just fantastic classic stuff that happened in today's episode. Um, it really was a joy to kind of see that. And, I, and like I said, I'm just really excited to see what happens next. Um, so, Nate, I don't know if you have anything else, but I think that's it for me. I'm, I'm curious to see what everyone else starts to talk about. Um, and I'm curious to see what everyone else loved about it. Because I know... Like we said, a lot of people have been waiting to see this kind of Doom Patrol get set up and, and to start seeing some of these more classic uh, escapades. So um, I really just pass pass it on to the listeners. If you guys enjoyed everything, please talk to us about today's episode. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. Um, what has you excited about season four? What are you looking forward to? Uh, Nate and I might continue making a, a bonus episode here or there after season three is wrapped up um so keep an ear out for that stuff um but yeah find us on facebook twitter uh at doom patrol radio or at radio doom patrol whatever the social media gods allowed us to use um but find us on on doom patrol radio reddit even and let us know what you guys think about this season or tonight's episode in uh, specifically and without further ado dj please take it away the Doom Patrol is finally kicking it into high gear, but will their greatest adventure await them on the other side? Only time will tell 
So tune in next time here on Doom Patrol Radio.